Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster, ooh, new technology, is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, the Islanders uh, Western Conference uh, trip kind of sucked, but uh, they got back to things in a good way with a weird shutout against the Blue Jackets that we'll we'll talk about. Uh, what did you make of that game? I, I was... Uh relieving i guess i texted my buddy before i was like i just i would do anything for one of those uh you know islander i guess they're now trademarked spore fests you know just like i, I was just hoping to get like a 3-1 snoozer and uh mm. we kind of got i mean it was it was for a 2 nothing game it was it was uh there were plenty of chances uh simian varlamov and, and elvis merzlikens or uh however you say that latvian guy's name they were both good uh mm. And but there are plenty of chances. I thought uh, for both teams, the Islanders just got the better goaltending, and uh, it, it was just you know after the game, I, the game felt like it flew by. It felt like I was like, wait, that's it? Like it feels kind of weird that that game's over. Yeah, I feel like there's more to it that that, that didn't actually happen. <laughs> it was a very odd. I mean, we'll talk about it a lot in a few minutes, but it was it was one of the odder two nothing games in a long time, and I, I don't remember a two nothing game in which both goals were like highlight real goals. <laughs> like that's it. That's all you get. You get these two awesome, you know, goal of the year candidate types and then that's it. You're done. There's no more scoring for this game. But uh, let's back it up a few days to the Islanders uh, Western Conference or I guess California trip. Uh, they had played a game in San Jose that was okay. They lost in overtime. We talked about that last time. Um, again, there wasn't really anything wrong with it. it just kind of came out of the end of it. One, one bad play and it kind of cost them. Uh, they then went into Anaheim and they got another point. So it was a 17 game point streak. Then they went into Anaheim and the streak ended with a very boring, terrible three, nothing loss to the ducks. You know, the ducks are a little like the sharks in that they hadn't really had a great season, but like you knew there was a good team sort of in there. And John Gibson, who had absolutely terrible numbers. We talked about this last time. His numbers were really bad going into that game. Well, he looked like John Gibson again. And, and he shut them out, you know, 26 shots. They started out okay. The first period, the Islanders were really good. And then they just kind of get worse and worse as the game went on. And by the third period, it was like, this is this is they're not going to come back and win this game. It just was pretty evident, which is rare for this season. Jordan Eberle scored a goal in his own net. 
that joke has been made a million times by now. <laughs> um, but the thing that I struck out to, stuck out to me for after that game was Barry Trotz. You know, he wasn't mad or anything. He just said, you know, that you know they didn't play very well. But uh, he said that they played like a team that was full. And when you're full, you're not hungry and you don't win. And I was like, yep, that's a T-shirt. Or at least it would have been. You know, it's not a really great reason to have a T-shirt. But uh, yeah, he, he was right. They played like a team that, you know, kind of, you know, looked like they 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 were confident, maybe a little bit too confident. And again, they came out totally fine. They were they played great. And then they just kept, kept getting worse and worse. So that kind of sucked. But, you know, in a way, you know, the streak had to come to an end. It was just a really disappointing way for that to happen. They then went into L.A., who, unlike the Sharks and Ducks, is a bad team playing poorly, and uh, the Islanders just stunk. Uh, they started out okay again. They got a goal from Derek Broussard. Uh, Dustin Brown tied it about a minute later, and that was the end of the game. They just never seemed like they were really into it. Um, Barzell got, like, speared in the belly or, like, hit in the nuts. I don't know what happened. They called him for embellishment. That was just like, you know, salt in the wound, so to speak. Um, wasn't a great game for Simeon Varlamov either. And out of six points, the Islanders came home with one, which really sucked. Um, you know, teams around them were winning. They had a home game. They had came home for Thanksgiving. Then they had the Blue Jackets on Saturday night. And, you know, like we said, it was a very weird game. Uh, I think it was closer to Islanders hockey than we had seen in a while. And uh, they came out with a 2 nothing win, and Varlamov was kind of the star of that game. He, he came in after about 10 minutes because Thomas Grice told Trotz that he was dizzy and he wasn't feeling well. So he pulled himself out of the game, and in comes Varlamov, who said all he wanted to do was get some popcorn. He told Shannon Hogan after the game, oh, he's looking for to get some popcorn after the first period, and there he is in the game, and he ended up making how many saves? I forget how many. He, he About 30, yeah, 30s. Yeah. yeah, 30 saves, and some of them were really good. The Blue Jackets did get a lot. I mean, I, I, people were calling it Islanders hockey, but like they had a lot of high-danger chances, and it just happened that Varlamov made the saves there, and so it wasn't a totally Islanders-like game, but you know, they played really well. They got a lot of danger, high danger chances themselves, and both goals were great. You had a tic-tac-toe goal from Barzell to Bailey to Lee. Finally, he scores for the first time in a month. And then Barzell on the alley-oop from, uh, from Adam Pellick, which was one of the coolest goals I've seen in a long time. Uh, and that was it. And so it was great. I mean, it's that's the kind of game you want to see. We had a bad trip. We come home. We get the, a shutout, and now we got to go back on the road again uh, to play one very bad team again, Detroit Red Wings, and then a team that is in a very you know a good team that's in a bad way right now in the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so yeah, it's it was a weird up and down week, but uh, right now they're still in third place in the Met in the the conference. The Flyers are right behind them though, man. The Flyers had a a killer month, so. Uh, I don't know. What, what were your impressions of this roller coaster week? Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, weird games, bad games, and everything in between. Yeah, like we said the other day, that Sharks game was maybe their best game that they played like in in a long time um, because they had come off some kind of wonky ones against the Penguins and Flyers. They ended up winning those games, but uh, so I thought I felt pretty confident they were going to build off that, and uh, they didn't. They turned turned into you know basically F's you know, in, in those games. And uh, th- that Ducks game was ir- just irritating because they played a good first period and then they just went away for five. Uh, and mm. that, uh, the only good thing about it was, you know, those are, they weren't handing points to to the Flyers or to the Penguins or the Hurricanes. Mm. You know, they're handing them to teams in the Western Conference. So, you know, if there's a silver lining, it's that. And it's also like, if you're going to have those, uh, you know, gut check games, it's good to do them against teams you know, 3,000 miles away from your division rather than doing them in division because the Islanders got gut checked and they, when they found their form, they did it against the Blue Jackets. And uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't like the, the perfect scripted Islander game for sure. But it was a, uh, it was definitely a step back towards where they were kind of went playing the Sharks and stuff like they, the, you, you saw what they were, you, you could like, they weren't um, basically running around they weren't frustratingly like taking shots that they normally, you know, don't do when things are going right. Just like flipping the puck towards the net into shin pads and stuff, and then turning around chasing the game because they, they chose the wrong shot. Uh, the Islanders are, have really turned into a team that th- that extra pass usually if, if that extra pass doesn't turn into a better uh, scoring opportunity, they kind of start all over again. And 
for a little while it could be frustrating to watch because you're like, oh, damn, like Josh Bailey just passed up another, you know, grade A chance. And, you know, we've seen him do that for so long. But then now that mm-hmm. what we see what this, this team's trying to accomplish by doing that, um, you know, you trust that process. And they, they kind of got away from that in, in both those games against the Ducks and Kings. Uh, but, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm, don't think anybody would was was upset and uh the islander fan base we keep saying it but it's just so weird to not see people overreact to to uh lose losing streaks because it it, it was one it was a it was a a three-game losing streak and the uh the fan base kind of never panicked and that's because they like we were saying throughout that entire month of november like this team just kept banking points and that just totally eases the burden on on the team when when they do drop games like that and like the the islanders are in such a good spot right now and we're you know we'll get into some kind of like the the drama that that will kind of unfold over the next you know month or two with with uh like roster movement and stuff but they're in such a good spot because of the way they took care of business in november that that uh that kind of hiccup was nothing more than a hiccup they've had two hiccups this season one right in the beginning of the year and one right at the end of the month of november uh so hopefully this uh this Blue Jackets game is the start of a new kind of stretch where they until their next one, which hopefully is in for a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, you know, and actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I did think about that. Where like, you know, had this had that Western had that California swing not happened after and including a seventeen game point streak, that would have been the the point of the season in which everybody went, well, that's it, it's done. Like, you know, how many times have they they gone into Colorado and Dallas and Nashville early in November, lost one or two of them? And it was like, well, that's it. They're done. But, you know, it is hard to get mad when your team has banked this many points and they're, you know, right, they're right there. And the other thing, too, about the Islanders schedule is they've played less games than just about everybody else in the conference. You know, only the Lightning have played as fewer games as they have. And so the Flyers right now are one point behind the Islanders, but like they've played three more games than they have. So theoretically, uh, it's either two or three. So, I mean, theoretically, if the Islanders you know, have those games at hand and they win them, then you know the Flyers can can be right there, but they'll still be two games ahead of them. So you know the Caps too. The Caps I think are still four games ahead of the Islanders. So it's it's been pretty wild. Um, but you know I, the thing about the Islanders is that that those two, especially the Anaheim and the LA game, represent the very rare situation where they played poorly at the end of the game and then started out kind of poorly <laughs> the next game. Uh, again, Broussard got that goal, but it, they still didn't feel. Like they were in it. And the, the thing I thought about during the L.A. game, other than like, I want to go to sleep and I'm tired. Um, you know, we stayed up to watch these two terrible games. and I felt really bad that I was like, oh, man, I drained myself <laughs> of energy for these two awful games. Um, I felt like the Kings did to the Islanders what the Islanders do to everybody else. And they just they couldn't get anything going. They couldn't mount any sort of offense at all. Um, you know, they were just kind of swarming all over them. And, and the Islanders clearly were getting frustrated. And I was getting frustrated and just watching them, and it was just no fun. Um, but, you know, they're pretty good at kind of writing themselves. And Trot said after that Blue Jackets game, somebody was like, hey, you know, that looked like Islanders hockey. And he was like, actually, not really. Like, it didn't look like we were quite back. Uh, a lot of guys didn't get a lot of sleep Thursday because we got in kind of late, and then it was Thanksgiving. And so um, they had the day off today on Sunday, and they're going to fly out to Detroit uh, tonight, I guess. Um and so, uh, you know, it, they'll get back there. And I mean, I, I have trust in the, in the coaching staff that they will get back there. Still suck to have watched it. But uh, like you said, I mean, it's better to hand those points to teams out there than than teams in their own division. Um, but yeah, uh, the Blue Jackets game, again, had a lot of weirdness going on. Grice pulls himself. Um, the, uh, there were no penalties until five minutes left in the game when Josh Bailey got called for an interference penalty that's so funny i just i just don't understand because they talk so much about how you know every game excuse me even for you know for players and officials alike like every game is different you got to kind of call it the game as it progresses and in that game they were just letting everything go like there wasn't too much you know too too many egregious plays uh but you know their guys you know trip maybe right kind of like weird tripping calls that they let go maybe an interference here or there they let go and then all of a sudden you know the Blue Jackets are down two nothing, and there's five minutes left. Like, all right, let's let's try to make a game out of this by by calling Josh, Josh Bailey for just mm. doing nothing. Yeah. Like he could have, there was nothing he could have done. Like I don't know. Uh, he 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 actually, I thought he made the safest play possible because yeah. if he had like he, he went would... down to try to avoid Seth Jones, he would have hurt him worse. And and if he's you know kind of like skated out, try to skate out of the way, right. he could have like knee on need him. But whatever. 
and and Butch made the point that like Jones had had given up the puck, he passed the puck, and he and he was just sort of gliding, and so like he and Bailey just kind of glided into one another. It's like they were converging on each other. Realized now I'm not gonna, I don't want to hit this guy for whatever reason, and then so they he passed the puck and they just sort of glided into each other. And yeah, Bailey got called for interference. It's like, wait, what? I saw much where there was I'm, I'm, there were at least two plays in that game that could have been penalties and i'm almost certain there were penalties on the islanders at least one of them was um but they weren't called and it's like really and so you know i don't want to say it was an easy two nothing win um but you know that was the time in which it really felt like something is going to happen here and then you thought all right then you go into like bargaining mode like all right well as long as they get the point that's okay (laughs) but you know they end up coming out uh with the win yeah and um yeah i thought uh as good as varlamov was he actually played it, it his game reminded me a lot of Leonard's games last year because he was very very good low when there's like a little bit of mini, like chaotic plays in front of uh the net mm. like he just handled I thought Leonard was so good about like just staying low and kind of staying square to to the chaos and uh I haven't really you haven't really seen that from Varlamov, Varlamov yet this year but I thought yesterday like he was he, he did that like anytime there's a little bit of a uh, mad scramble in front of the net he was just composed and his paddle was down and and kind of just dealt with the danger as it came uh, instead of maybe anticipating which maybe is like a different school of thought for for goaltenders whereas you're you know you're trying to maybe be a split second ahead of uh those situations but i mean instead of trying to just control it as best you can and, and hoping the puck hits you um is i thought i was like looking i was watching him like that is exactly how um robin leonard would play in games like that where you're like i don't know how this this puck just ends up squirting out of there and an Islander comes skating away with it. It was because, you know, he was just, yeah. you know, in control in, in, in down low. Yeah, no, he, he was very good in that game. And again, he, he was not very good in the, uh, the uh, LA game. And he gave up a couple of goals that really, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been very fortunate to have not seen that often. Like the sort of like far away, weird angle, nobody, no, no screen shots, you know, those generally haven't gone in on the Islanders in the last two years. And, he let one of them in, one I think, or maybe two of them in like that, and it wasn't great. And so I forget who pointed this out on Twitter. I think it might have been Carrie Haber, who was like, you know, it just goes to show you just how elite the Islanders' goaltending was last year. Whereas, like, even if Arlamov ends up being pretty good over the course of the season, that's still not quite at the level <laughs> that they were last year, that Leonard and Grice were last year. And so far, you know, Varlamov has been pretty good. But again, it's, you know, there have been ups and downs and, you know, LA was a down and, and Columbus was an up. So that stuff is going to happen. And as in normal goalies, that's the way it works. But the Islanders have had sort of abnormally good goaltending for a long time. Oh, by the way, hopefully Thomas Grice is okay. I mean, I don't know if he's sick. They haven't called up uh, anybody from Bridgeport. And I don't even know who the hell is even healthy down there for them to call up. But uh you know, the, he's on the the plane to Detroit, I assume. So uh, we'll see if he gets in. Then what's this going to do for the rotation, too? Because it was technically that would have been Grice's game. And now Monday would have been uh, Varlamov's. But now Varlamov played. So I assume they go back to Grice if he's healthy enough and then start the rotation all over again. But um, but that gets us to the the next section, which is that, um, yeah, so they're, they have a road-heavy schedule. They actually have four games this week. So a lot of those games in hand are probably going to disappear. Um, they have games Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Monday in Detroit and Tuesday in Montreal. We're going to talk a lot about that in a second. Then they're home on Thursday uh, for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, I guess, first ever trip to Nassau Coliseum. And I don't think they've ever played there before. Um, So that'll be interesting. And then they're on the road on Saturday in Dallas, uh, who lost in overtime today. They they had a great streak of their own going that got snapped. So they're kind of still finding their way back uh, to there. But uh, that's going to be a tough one. Dallas has never really been a kind place for the Islanders um, that much, but Detroit is awful. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it. All I will say is that uh, a loss to the Red Wings would be hugely, hugely, hugely disappointing. Let's put it that way. We don't, you don't want to see that. I mean, they've found new and creative ways to lose games all year and the Islanders really should waltz in and waltz out with a win. Knock on wood. The Canadians game is something else. The Canadians right now have lost seven in a row. They're playing the Bruins as we speak. So could be eight. Maybe they snapped the streak against Boston. That would be something for them. But uh, that game is actually going to have a very special visitor uh, taking it in, and that is uh, you. That's right. You're going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I've never never been to uh, Montreal, so it's a you know bucket list uh, item, I guess. And uh, I've never been even been to Canada. Um, 
and I, I don't know. I'm thinking of maybe co- going as uh, with like a sign that says like you know we're we're on the same side here. You know, the friend, <laughs> the, the, en- the enemy of your enemy is your friend, mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of thing. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I all, all you hear is great things about it, and uh, mm. I'm, you know, it's definitely it's been a place every every time the uh, Islander schedule has come out since like I've basically been able to um, you know go places on my own. Um, I've always been like Detroit. And Montreal, I, uh, and a couple other you know cities. Especially, I would love, I would love to do like the Western Canada road trip, but uh, they're mm. they're always at the top of the list. And you know, it's funny that those two uh, two listeners from the sh- of the show from England, uh, Kevin and Johnny. Kevin, who lives, I believe he lives in Norwich, England, uh, has been to like thirteen different road cities uh, for the Islanders. Wow. I got to ask him if he's ever been there to Montreal, but. You know, he was telling me about how he went to the he did the Western Canada swing. You know, coming from England, so if he could do it, I mean, come on, we can do it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it, it seems like a uh, the like a place that I think if, if you got to you just got to do it. And uh, I've always wanted to go and 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 for an Islander game when they're when they're good, when they're mm. both good. So uh, it's uh, pretty lucky. And uh, my friend who's who is from uh, Montreal was saying that his friend texted him the other day saying that he was watching the Islanders and he's like, you know, this is how we have to play. <laughs> and so he's another person to add to that list. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Claude Julian's going to say something like that uh, before the game, but no, that that's awesome. I mean, I, I was, we were saying before we came on, like, I'm really interested to hear what the reaction is. Like, you know, it's what they're going to say. I think I would assume that in most years they would be like, you're a crazy person. Why would you ever root for this team? But, you know, this year I think they'd probably be a little bit not jealous if it's the word, but definitely kind of, you know, respectful and be like, wow, that's you guys have a hell of a coach there. And, you know, it's if you could put it together, that'd be cool. Of course, you know, in, in their hatred of the Leafs, I'm sure the Habs fans will will find some sort of camaraderie with you and you guys can can uh, commiserate over that. But uh, no, it should be cool. I, I can't wait to hear all about it. You've never been to Canada before, really? No, I've never been. I've, I've been oh, wow. close, close a couple of times, but uh, <laughs> never been. And yeah, I think the, the thing with Trotz and like other teams now is it's like he's he's turned into like kind of an ambassador for the for the team, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is pretty good. Like, he, like they people just see him as like the beak, like the, he is like the face of the franchise. I guess, and and he's one that people around the league all respect and love. Uh, so it's it's good to have him like be that kind of like flag bearer mm-hmm. for the team. Wh- whereas before it was it was like yeah you know you guys got that that Tavares guy, but like the rest of the like he's toiling away and stuff like that. Now we have have a <laughs> have a guy who who's kind of like set a different precedent uh, in among the like the rest of the league and and especially in places like hockey hockey crazy markets. Mm. That you know what you just gave me an idea. Maybe I should start the. Uh complete encyclopedia of other teams saying that, you know, they need to play like the Islanders. I don't know. <laughs> so I got to work on the title, but uh, something like that, you know, it'd be a lot smaller uh, volume for sure than the, uh, the original, the first uh, encyclopedia, but that would be cool. Yeah, no, we had Dallas Aikens, right. Uh, and during the Anaheim game yep. said something like, you know, yeah, they, they've, they've done it and we're trying to replicate what, what system they have. And I don't think Tom McClellan said anything, but uh, it's been pretty cool. I think we're up to like half it's a dozen so teams now that have, or other coaches. It used to, it, it just used to be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we got no idea what the hell they're doing over there. They, I remember, I think it was uh, whoever was coaching the Rangers at the time uh, was talking about C- Capuano's Islanders. The Islanders weren't very good. And he's just like, yeah, those guys, like they fly the zone early. They, they're just out there having fun because these games don't matter to mm-hmm. them at all. So they're really hard to game plan. Like they got guys, they got guys like breaking out of the zone, <laughs> looking for, for home run passes on penalty kills and stuff like that. So, so it's, uh, it's definitely mm-hmm. very different. Yeah. Well, we'll never forget Barry Trotz said about the Islanders under Doug Waite that they, they basically were an easy team to play against, which I think probably rankled a few people who uh, ended up uh, being his uh, players a, a year later. So there you go. Pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, so that'll be cool. We can't wait to hear about that. Should be fun. Montreal, again, has never been kind to the Islanders. So although the, the Habs could lose 100 games in a row and I'd still be afraid of the Islanders going in there. But you know who loves to play in Montreal? Anthony Beauvillier. So if, if I'm going to, I'm going to call him the, uh, my WBAB player of the game. That's right. That, <laughs> right just uh, right off the bat. Um, and then, um, yeah, the Knights too are finally experiencing after two years of being like, you know, the best team on earth. They, uh, they're finally struggling a little bit. So we'll have to see how they, they adjust to the Nassau Coliseum experience. And then with Dallas, 
you know, again, weird stuff happens when the Islanders and Stars play. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that works. But, uh, you know, Saturday night in Dallas should be should be a fun one. Um, so when we uh, come back, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to do a little rosturbation. We're going to talk about some uh, guys that might be available for trade and whether or not they make any sense for the Islanders and uh, how they probably won't happen. But we're going to talk about them anyway. All right. So ch- check with us on the other side. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the Islanders have had a good season so far, but that doesn't mean that they're perfect. And Barry Trotz, as we know, likes to roll four lines. Andrew Gross had a whole story about this today in Newsday. He likes to roll four lines. That's his thing. But it's been a while since he's been able to roll four lines because there have been injuries there. You know, the top two lines are basically set. We didn't even talk about it, but there's been some movement. Jordan Eberle still has no goals and he's he got moved down to the second line with with Brock Nelson and uh, and Beauvillier and Josh Bailey played with uh, Lee and Barzell yesterday. It worked out pretty well. So assume it'll stay that way. The Sezikis line, there's no point in calling them the fourth line anymore, but the Sezikis Martin Clutterbuck line is intact right now because uh, everybody's healthy. So that's good. So where does that leave the third line? Well, right now, as of the Saturday against Columbus, it was Otto Koivula between Leo Komarov and Derek Broussard. Broussard back on the wing. I feel like he's just going to be a winger now, and that's it, because he's been very successful there. Um, that pushed uh, Michael Dalcole to the press box, along with Ross Johnson, obviously. So, you know, they didn't get a ton of ice time. I meant to look it up, but it didn't seem, didn't feel like they got a ton of ice time, although they played, Broussard seemed to play pretty fairly well, as did Leo, for the most part, he kind of played his his style, but I'm sure the Islanders would like a, a third line that was there's a little bit more kind of set in stone and, and, you know, you can kind of rely on and Barry Trotz can rely on. The problem is at center and they don't, just don't have one. I mean, they, they signed Broussard to play center and he's a winger now, apparently. And, and Koivula has been okay, but he doesn't really, he hasn't gotten any points. Seems very hesitant still, you know, he's got talent, but he doesn't seem to really have been putting it together yet. Maybe he's still trying to get the system. I don't know. But there are forwards out there that could potentially make sense for the Islanders. And one of those guys, and let us let me preface this by saying this is probably not going to happen, probably shouldn't happen, but I can't stop thinking about it, is Kyle Turris. Turris is on the outs in Nashville. He is a talented guy who has, I think, you know, nine points in 18 games this year. It's so about half a point a game. And uh, he is unfortunately making way, way, way too much money. He's making $6 million a year for another four years. That's a lot. Contract aside, he's kind of what the Islanders need right now, right? I mean, he's exactly what they need right now. A guy who can just be a top nine center and just run his own line and do his own thing. And he's fairly responsible defensively and would probably thrive under Barry Trotz. Yeah. It's just that damn contract is just too, too big and it really sucks. Yeah, it's uh, he. if you follow uh, Micah Blake McCurdy ineffective math on Twitter, he, he bangs the, you know, Kyle Terrestrum quite a bit. and. Uh, free tourists yeah basically <laughs> and and it's just the problem is that's like you said it's a contract thing and so unless the predators you know really sweeten the deal it just would be tough especially with the islanders situation coming up with all the guys that they got to get under the roof um who are going to be coming off like entry level and and rfa deals so it's just that the salary cap you know salary cap be damned you, you he's perfect like and i think another guy in, in that same situation would be adam henrique on the on the ducks like he's that's a good one he's, too, he's yeah. a guy that lou lou knows obviously from the devils he's an already an islander hall of famer for the goal he scored against the, the rangers that one year <laughs> like he um he would be great but the same thing i think he's like got five years 
or I mean, he's got five million left on like two or three more years. So Henrique is making uh, yeah I mean, five point eight for the next five years. Yeah, so yeah, like you can't just can't do that. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's just it's just too bad. But uh, then I mean, then the other guy who's like in in you know we'll talk we were, we were going to bring him up, but the other person the the the, the reason we're talking about this is because um, incarcerated Bob, of course, was the first one to have it a couple of weeks ago that. Uh, Taylor Hall was name was starting to surface, and then Pierre LeBron a couple weeks later was like, uh, "Yeah, uh, they're starting to listen for him." And the only thing I can think of, if like the Islanders, like sure, sign me up for for Tyler Hall, uh, Taylor Hall, uh, you know, right now, <laughs> I, I would you know drive him from Newark and do whatever he needs to do, do his laundry for, for his whole stay here on Long <laughs> Island. But um, I think if if the Islanders were to make a pitch at him, which is highly unlikely, it would be. They'd be like, you know, you got to take Travis Ajak, who mm. same kind of situation as those other guys. Like, yeah. here's a here's a guy who's not really producing at a at a level anymore, and uh, is would be a fine third line center, but he's also signed to a, a tough uh, contract. But there's a it's gonna it's, it's gonna take some creativity for the Islanders to kind of plug that hole, which which seems like you know every year it just seems like there's a million you know third line centers out there at the trade <laughs> deadline who you can just they're on one year deals they're on like what Val Philpola was on last year they're on like a one year mm-hmm. this guy is obviously getting traded at the trade deadline kind of contract and uh, I just can't really seem to find many this year <laughs> um another guy uh that uh, I think the real perfect guy maybe not be tourist but it's a guy who again is going to cost you a lot of money is Jean-Gabriel Pajot of, of Ottawa people have been all over this guy are they going to trade they stink uh, and yes obviously the senators stink this year are they going to trade him he's going to be UFA at the end of the year so he's almost a little bit like Taylor Hall light and if anything he's actually had a better season than Taylor Hall because he's got like I don't know 10 or 12 goals this year and uh he's a center and he's defensively very very good he's a he's a killer shorthanded I mean he's a guy who Basically, every time he's on the ice is a potential for a shorthanded goal, a little like Casey Sezikis. He's also a uh, he's also a Highlander Hall of Famer yes. for the way he treated the Rangers during during that playoff series. You know, when they did that. He, he's, he scored say, like he goals just, in that series. Yeah. God love him. Yeah, he did sink the Rangers basically single handedly in a playoff series, which is awesome to see. Awesome, um, but um, yeah. So I mean, does he make sense? Like. Roster construction wise, absolutely. He'd be he'd be perfect. Oh my god, Barry Trotz would probably be doing cartwheels in the you know the uh, hallway of the Coliseum if they got JG Paggio. But that doesn't you know the Senators aren't just going to give him away. They're going to want a first round pick and a bunch of prospects and the whole thing. And then then the guys at UFA, he might not even Stein. That's my problem with Taylor Hall. Yeah, you know, yeah, it'd be great. I mean, can you imagine Hall and Barzell together on the same line? Like those guys would be ridiculous. But you know, to have to fork over a first round pick. Some, some people, you know, and I hate this because we've, as we've learned throughout the years, these things are always wrong, but you know, they're like, Oh, well the, the, the prospective package for hall could be two first round picks. And two. nobody ever does that. Like nobody ever trades to watch the Islanders are going to turn on trade two first round picks for this guy. But you know, it just, it, the price is going to be very high. And then the situation is going to be, yeah, he's going to be great. And then you're going to have to, you know, be, have to address his UFA status. And like you just said, the bigger problem for the Islanders isn't so much to this year's salary cap. It's next year's because guys like Barzell and Pollock and uh, Devon Taves, you're going to need new contracts. And so there are a lot of guys out there. I think we can, Oh, um, with the Kings and they were playing the Kings, you know, Dustin Brown makes sense. You know, again, he's a center. He's old. He's won the cups. It's not quite what he was, but he can still play center, I believe, although he's listed on cap friendly as a winger. Uh, but I, I'm, I thought he was a center. And obviously, Anze Kopitar, he's not going anywhere. But like he's another guy who would just be awesome. But he's making like $9 million a year. So forget it. He's out. Um, but that would be like a huge, huge swing for Lou Lamorello to make. Um, so the names are out there. It's just a matter of who are they going to get. And I just I can't see them acquiring any of these guys. And so I'm sitting here. Every time there's another Kyle Turris story, I'm like, mm, man, he would be great. And then I you know, get to the contract part, and you're like, that's never going to happen. Now, my thinking is the Islanders have a guy making five and a half million that they don't want either. And his name is Andrew Ladd. And he's currently a member of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers with the Senate, with the, the hurricane. Um, the Predators want to make that swap. Absolutely not. There's no way David Boyle is going to take Andrew Ladd for Kyle Turris. But, you know, that something like that would kind of make a lot of sense. But I, I again, I just it's unfortunate, but I can't see it happening as much as I think it would it would work out pretty well for them. Yeah. Pajot, I think. uh when we get to the the trade frenzy, as or what do they call it, mm. deadline frenzy in Canada, 
when uh yeah with all those guys trade center trade, yeah, with trade center or <laughs> cam jansen calling in and because he's the only guy that's been traded for the first five hours and um right. i think i think pajo is going to be like the the guy that they say is is, is a lock to get traded so and there are going to be a lot of teams after him so the islanders are going to uh if, if that's who you know the type of guy they want they're going to First of all, they're going to need to make a trade, which they haven't done since they traded for Matt Martin. <laughs> in, in <laughs> I know, right? July. Let's, let's, uh, let's see. That's a year plus. That's uh, seventeen months ago. That's the last, like to the day I think of, of the Islanders' mm. last trade. Because I think it was July first, um, the day of when Tavares left. Right? They, I think that's when they they, they traded for Martin. Yeah, I think like it was yeah, after, or a day later. Something yeah, like so that. It's, yeah, it's been it's been seventeen months to the day. They they obviously haven't. But I mean, how cool would Pajot look? And obviously Brock Nelson's been great with Beauvillier and, and Broussard, but just having that all uh, French French uh, Canadian line there, like just <laughs> those guys, just you know the the, the new French connection, and uh, that that would just be a perfect. And especially I think Broussard and, and Peugeot have obviously cross path cross paths. In sure, Ohio, yeah, they play together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's he just seems like the perfect. Uh, the prototypical, like, oh, like this is the perfect trade deadline rental. He's not gonna be, he's not gonna cost too, too much. You can let him walk at the end of the year, uh, but that just means that the Islanders are going to be, uh, they're going to be competing with probably like twelve other teams for for this guy's services. Sure, yeah. But I mean, I love, I mean, I love him because of you know what he did to the Rangers. So let's let's do it. The other thing about this year's trade center is that everybody's rumored to be going to Colorado. Hall, um, I'm sure a bunch of other guys, Pajot probably, and Tourist maybe. I mean, they're all everybody. The, the Avalanche are very good, and they have a lot of cap space. So they're, but I don't know, even know what they need. I don't even know what they're going to do with Taylor Hall. I mean, it, if they went there, hey, good for them. They're going to go crazy. But I mean, they they score so many goals. I don't know what they could possibly do with them. But uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, one last guy, unfortunately, to bring up. He's having a terrible, terrible, terrible season. And he's making way too much money, but he is a center, and we do love him. And his name is Franz Nielsen. <laughs> and again, it ain't happening. I don't, don't. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, "Oh, they gotta go get that guy, or else Lou's not doing his job." No, he's he's not gonna do it. No, he's not. Franz Nielsen's in the company here. But how great? I mean, if Detroit like retains seventy five percent of his salary, <laughs> he just like just like go, man, get out of here, go go home, go yeah. back to your home, and you know that would be, be that'd be doable. The ultimate like the. The rest of the hockey world would just be, you know, shitting on right. the trade and whatever. And Islander fans would just be going nuts. So with like just pure <laughs> happiness that Franz is back, even though he, yeah, he's he's kind of like a husk of himself at this point. Oh, yeah. He's been playing a terrible team, so you know who knows? Maybe right. you know a rejuvenation is in store, but um, that'd be something. God, wow. it would just it would just be so funny to just just for the reaction of of people who have been you know piling on the Islanders for. Yeah for doing stupid stuff for the past, you know, 10 years. And then just to see that next to Islander fans being so happy to have Franz back would, would almost be worth it. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, I'd be, be totally worth it. But I mean, again, at, at a reductive, uh, at a reduced salary, let's put it oh, yeah. at, at a very reduced yeah, price. Only, only one or two first round picks and maybe no adoption. <laughs> that, that's, 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 yeah. that's why it's good for Franz. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be, that I thought Bar- Barzell, Barzell, uh, it's too bad those two didn't cross paths because he, uh, he went off Franz on, uh, on Elvis Mers Lincoln's last night with that goal. Right. Oh yeah. Back yeah. backhand roof. It was it was a uh, it was nice to see that. That was maybe, that was maybe, definitely maybe think of France. And and think of how much better they'd be in shootouts too, but I think they've only been on two shootouts this year, right? I think they mm-hmm. they haven't played I don't remember too many, but uh even there I think Franz's skills have have diminished. It's really sad. Whenever I see like these numbers go by, I'm just like I can't look. I can't look and see a, a good friend like that. Kind of get hurry, but but the the other great thing about him coming to the Islanders would be he can get his old number back. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that that was almost too perfect that Phil Pula got there and took his right. got his number. Uh, God, <laughs> maybe we'll just get maybe we'll just take both of them back and we'll just address one of them. We, we sure. just we just won't say which one it is every game. <laughs> So it's like a, uh, a Mary Kate and Ashley yeah, exactly, situation where exactly. like, you don't know who's who. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, which one is that? I don't know. He's just a guy. And it's just like, you know, X on the, on the back of his jersey. So it's, it's 51, but you never know who, what 51 <laughs> is. And then at the end of the game, you know, pulls his helmet off. It's Franz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Scooby-Doo. Oh, anyway, so, yeah. So there you go. Little little roster uh, uh, gazing. There is that trade freeze um, that's like just before Christmas, right? So. You know, they always say that stuff is going to happen and then it never does. But I guess there is a bit of a ticking clock. Yeah, I feel like nothing has ever happened. Mm. Has anything ever happened before the holiday? Because who, like, 
they always talk like, oh, that you know, they put it in place so that nobody has to move, right. you know, during the holidays. Nobody's going to trade somebody before, right before the holidays either. <laughs> I don't think people, <laughs> right. Like, hey, Merry Christmas! Like, we had to like you know midnight tonight, the night before Christmas Eve, to yeah. to send you and your family to Winnipeg, and uh, that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, although um, Lou Lamorello did fire Peter DeBoer the day after Christmas, so there you go. When he was with the Devils, so <laughs> there you go. So it's possible. I guess if one guy's going to do it, it would be Lou. But yeah, I, I'm uh, just saying, like this is the kind of thing that like oh, Pierre LeBrun is going to write like a 58 thousand word article about oh there might be a sign and trade just before the winter break it's, it's not gonna nothing's gonna happen but i'm just saying it. it's it's there it's gonna so be you're gonna hear about it ranking ranking all 31 possible destinations for taylor hall before <laughs> before christmas trade freeze yeah uh and number 31 is definitely gonna be the islanders for sure <laughs> uh okay uh so yeah so there's a bunch of games coming up uh you know we'll have to see where they're at it's it was good to get that that um you know shut out in and that win in and they could write things, but uh, you know, they, they need wins and it's, that's kind of the frustrating thing about this season so far is that they haven't sort of pulled further away, but they have those games in hand. So we'll see how many <laughs> get used up this week, uh, yeah. but uh, we'll have the to Capitals, see. I think the Capitals uh, could play 125 game season and they were just, you know, they oh might lose, they're going to lose like seven games this year. It's the worst thing about the caps is that, you know, I'm not watching them. So I'm following it on Twitter and it'll be like, oh, they're down, you know, three one in, in going into the third period, or the other team is up four two with ten minutes left, and then you check back later and they won. It's like, what? Can somebody please beat these guys? What? <laughs> please. Same with the Flyers. Like, God, can somebody just w- beat these guys, please. I'm really, be- I'm begging you. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the Flyers at all because, yeah. I mean, they're just everything about them just screams mediocrity. Hmm. Um, but they're, they're really, they, they're playing well. And, and I feel like when, when the Islanders played them, they, they kind of run a good stretch. Right. And then, yeah. and, then the, and then the Islanders beat them. And then I was like, all right, maybe, you know, the, we can get rid of the flyers for a little while. And then they just were like, no, nah, no, we're, we're going to win like another 11 of 12 games. We're going to keep that streak going. And then you, <laughs> and the most, the, even what's more, what's scaring me more than Washington, like if Washington runs away with the division, so be it. Like, it's just, what are you going to do? But hmm. the thing that's frustrating is, not only are we dealing, you know, dealing with the Flyers, but the Penguins are playing really well. Like they're and yeah. they and they haven't been at a hundred percent yet this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Penguins just do one of those things where they're like, "Yeah, we're going to win," you know, twenty of mm. twenty two down the stretch and not lose in, in the playoffs, and we'll also win the division while we're at it. And you know, we'll beat the crap out of the Islanders in the first round. It's just like they 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 scare me. And then the Hurricanes are also kind of just looming there too. It's uh, this yeah. this division I, I, for for all for like. For the entire offseason, all everyone was talking about was the Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida gauntlet. Mm. But the truth is, I mean, like this, the the this is the this is a cat. Like it's just these. I don't know how. I can't envision a way that the Islanders like end up pulling away if a seventeen game point streak didn't do it. Like give them any. Give, <laughs> they they never they haven't been in first place yet in, in this this season. I don't think. Right. And they were on. They they won no. ten games in a row and and <laughs> collected points at seventeen straight. Like that just shows you how right. ridiculous this division is right now. Yeah, and again, a lot of that has to do with with the games in hand. But no, you're right. Like I, I think about that. I, I try not to because I'm trying to like stay in the moment and enjoy the season. But I do think about that. Like you know, this team is going to have to play one of those teams in the first round of the playoffs. Like the you know, let's assume the Islanders don't win the division, all right? But let's say they finish second or third, they're going to end up playing either the Penguins, Flyers. Or Hurricanes, like that's it, <laughs> or the Caps, you know, like that's just how it's going to be. Even if they finish seventh, the Bruins are probably going to run away with the conference, and they're still yep. going to end up playing one of those. They're going to play end up playing the team that wins the Metro, you know. So it's like they're going to get stuck playing. And I don't want to play any of those guys. We've talked about the Hurricanes to death. You know, the Flyers, I think, are a better matchup for the Islanders. Even the Capitals, the Capitals, I think, you know, the Islanders could fare fairly well, I think, against them. Uh, it won't be easy, but I can see them doing that. The Penguins, though, yeah, man, even yep. when they're hurt, they're still good. And by the time the playoffs roll around, they're going to have Crosby back and the whole crew. I mean, Brian Dumoulin, I think, is out now four four weeks. Yeah. And I don't know how. Like just, these guys, yeah. just it's, even last year, like what what what's going on there with them getting hurt? But oh, man. 
Somebody uh, said that they, they never they don't have any they, like day to day injuries. Everybody's yeah, out like with a catastrophic yeah. injury for and they're out for months. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you know, you laugh about, it, but like you think about like the the list of injuries. Like it's either been you know Malkin's been hurt for like weeks at a time. Crosby's got the concussion. Mm. Chris Letang had like a he had like a blood clot stroke. Or a stroke. Yeah. yeah, and like it's just like these. Yeah. Where how is this happening to these guys? Matt Murray, yeah, you know, has been out, but uh, and mm. they just keep they just keep like coming back like a like a zombie and. They, yeah. I think they, they actually looked so much like the Islanders. Those two, uh, that's especially that second game they played. And if you look at their, yeah. their advanced metrics a little bit, like the Penguins are the best defensive team in the league right now. They, they have this is a team with, uh, <laughs> with Jack Johnson, and uh, they, uh, they are <laughs> leading the league in expected goals against at five on five. So, uh, yeah, they're they're the kind of sleeping giant right now. Um, in yeah. not not only in the division or the conference, but probably in the league. Uh, it's it's uh, it's very yeah, very yeah, for sure. It it is it is, and it's yeah. They just keep rolling these guys, and and you know, at some point, I'm sure Mike Sullivan's going to say, yeah, well, we saw what the Islanders were doing, and decided to tighten up our defensive game, and that's going to be even more irritating, you know, to to hear him yeah. say that. But he, him and him and Trotz have like a funny thing where I think you know they've obviously been going at each other for uh, like a mm. decade now, and they they I feel like it's it's always been it's kind of like when uh, like with Bill Belichick a little bit, like when teams are like, you know what, like we're not going to get over the hump until we can beat the Patriots. Mm. So let's just game plan for them. And I wonder if like those two, you know, the, the, the Capitals kind of changed a little bit of the way they played when they finally beat the Penguins. And now the, the Penguins after, you know, we, we swept them, they're just not playing the same style as, um, as they were like that, just running gun, very high event, right. up tempo game. And honestly, like that's just the mark of a great coach, like to be able to adapt your team, be like, you know what, this isn't working anymore. I don't, I don't have to double down on, I don't have to keep doubling down on this. It's like the, the league changes every year or two, you know, the rest of the one, when the league zigs, like if you zag, you're in a much better spot than the teams. Then, cause then if you keep going the way that the league was trans, uh, was like trending with, uh, I guess like using the Leafs as an example, especially under Babcock, like they just went all in on talent, but they never, they were just going for, uh, you know, like the high volume, high quantity shots, like, or rather than, trying to generate you know good scoring chances and the league saw what the penguins did those two years and they kind of everyone kind of shuffled in that direction and if you do that then you have to beat you know 28 other teams you got to be better than them at that game whereas if you did what the islanders or the blues or the bruins were doing last year which kind of you know veered off off that course you only have to be like one of the you know be better than a couple other teams in a seven game series you know if you're good enough at what you're doing because teams then have to game plan for you differently and they're just going to be at a at a natural disadvantage. So uh, those coaches like Sullivan, Trotz, even John Tortorella, like the way he's, he's got the, the, the blue yeah. jackets, their, their record's not good, but everything under the hood looks really good for them. Like these coaches that are adapting are the ones that uh, scare me, you know, as yeah. opponents. Yeah, no, I don't. No one scares me more than Mike Sullivan as, as, to, as a coach. Like I think he is the only one that can go toe to toe at Trotz in, in a, in a coaching chess match. Yeah. I've always thought Sullivan's a good coach as much as I dislike the Penguins, <laughs> but I've always liked him. And yeah, Tortorella's changed. And, and even Elaine Vino, I don't think Vino is using the same tactics with the Flyers that he was using with the Rangers, you know, and I mean, he was only out of work for like a year and then they brought him, you know, the Flyers brought him in. And I, I feel like he's, you know, at least as far as I can tell from my Flyers fan friends, it doesn't sound like he's doing the same things he did with the Rangers. So, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. That, that isn't that you, you got to adapt. And there was a story about Barry. As I say, it's just the coaches in the division, too. Like we were talking about it. Like you, you can Todd Reardon, obviously, is doing a great job. He's he comes from he, he was under trots. He went as an assistant with the Penguins for a while. So this is a he's a good coach. He's, I think he's proven himself. And then, you know, trots Sullivan. Rob Brendamore obviously had a great first season with the Hurricanes and now Vino and uh, Tortorella. Like what a, the division is just just loaded from not even just teams mm. team wise, but like behind the bench too. It's it's uh it's frightening stuff. <laughs> but uh, I I think it was in the Athletic this week. I think Derek Eric Dehatchik was saying that you know Trotz is, has uh, it might have been Arthur Staple or if it's Arthur, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, yeah, the Trotz has adapted. You know, and they they had to he had to do with what he had, and you know he, that's why he said you know changing. The defensive structure was number one thing because you know we could do it, and the team has taken to it, and that's that's their identity right now. So they're gonna they're gonna keep on going with it. So yeah, we'll have to see. Um, you know, it's gonna be put to the test this week because they got some some high flying teams. Uh, I wanted to find a this was an Islander uh, that had played for the Red Wings and Canadians and Islanders, and the first guy I thought of, of course, is a guy we all remember being an Islander. Thomas Vanek was an Islander. <laughs> 
nobody's going to forget that anytime soon. I'm sure there's somebody else out there, but he was the first guy I thought of. We haven't talked you know, about you, him in a while, so you, there you go. You talk, you talk about uh, you know roster gazing and mm. and rasturbation and all that stuff, and this this kind of and and uh, this kind of you know season like this. The first the first quarter of the season is all about you know who's getting off the block hot, what coach is going to be fired mm. first and stuff, and then you know from Thanksgiving to uh, you know, the all-star break is starting to, is, is a lot of people talking about who's going to be on the trade block, who's going to be buyers and sellers. And then obviously the next month after that is, uh, all trade deadline stuff. And, uh, you just like, if you had told me, if we went back, you know, eight years, whatever it's, it was when Bannock was lighting it up and, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, the Islanders are going to get this guy in his prime, like for, for, for Matt Molson and, and, you know, whatever else they gave up. And, uh, He's he's gonna you know I would have been like oh my god like that is unbelievable like that's, I would I would have never thought it would happen uh, and then he was he was good for like the first you know like that that line yeah. was good the rest of the team was shambles but yeah Tavares Oposo Vanek yeah. was very good for about two or three months they were really good and then the, but the whole Thomas Vanek experience got soured because of mm. just the way that the Islanders in in and what I was saying about the roster gaze was like. For just weeks and weeks, we're like the Islanders are obviously going to trade Thomas Vanek. What are they going to get for him? It's got to be, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's, they're asking two first round picks, and then teams are like, you know what? They're the Islanders. Like we can just wait them out. Like they're going to need to get anything for this guy, so we'll just give them Sebastian Colbert. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was, was probably not the, fun, a fun time. The but worst, yeah, no, like yeah. I guess asset management I've ever seen. <laughs> the way the way that they handled yeah, that. and and. and and the, for sure, absolutely. I mean, it's well known at this point that Garth Snow absolutely outweighed. He out, he waited way too long, and at the end of the day, couldn't make it. Couldn't get. I mean, we don't know what deals he had. Although I, I vaguely remember, I believe it was Staples saying at the time too that a lot of the deals that Garth had uh, involved him taking back a bad contract, and uh, that you know, and the fact that he didn't, I guess, is a plus. But the fact that he took back Sebastian Kohlberg at the end of the day is, de- is definitely a huge minus. Let's put it that way. And so, you know, yeah, you, you avoided this one headache, but you also didn't get anything. And, you know, if anything, ended up worse than you were when you started out. And so, yeah, that that was definitely not a, a fun time. And, and you know, then and then Vanek leaves and then he's like, oh, I didn't want to play in Brooklyn. It's like, dude, you didn't even you didn't even play. You didn't even know what Brooklyn was about, you know? And then yeah. he ended up playing for like 19 different teams in the next five years. So maybe he would have likes to stay in Brooklyn, but he also did. Vanek also did the Islanders a huge favor by not taking that sort of ridiculous right. deal that Garth had also offered him. It was like, I don't know, seven and a half a year or something. So, you know, ultimately a lot of bullets were dodged, but the fact that they didn't get anything out of it is really, you know, to this day is very disappointing. Oh my God. That was, that was like six years ago. Or five years yeah. ago, jeez! It was, wow. it was. I think it was the season that Tavares got hurt in the Olympics. So, well, it was after the. It was the year after they they went to the playoffs. So it was the 2013-14 year. That was okay. when it was. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, and, no. Uh, yeah, it was because it definitely was. Yeah, because twenty fifteen was the final Coliseum year. That's right. Right. So, right. Yeah. And he, <laughs> like the, there was just so many like, like the excite just the excitement about having that guy. That was also, mm. I mean, I can't believe bringing him up for the second time. And I've told the story, I think, before. But but that was a trade that incarcerated Bob famously scooped uh, sta- mm. staple on. He was just like, yeah, Vanek's coming to the Islanders. And hours before it happened. Uh, and, yeah. and he had it like to the T. He had Molson going the other way and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I remember being sick to my stomach, sitting on my couch on Sunday night <laughs> in, those, in October or November, being like, oh, please don't do this. And then it was there. It's like, oh, because, you know, because he was a UFA and you didn't yeah. know if he was going to stay and you didn't. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's just it, that if, no. if, if the Islanders acquire a UFA, whether it be uh, Brian Smith yeah. or Richard Zednick or, you know, who, Alexei Karpitsov, like whoever they, they acquire at the deadline, if they're UFA, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're not coming back. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe they could tour uh, the Belmont, uh, the Belmont lot, yeah. and they can make them well, stay. Yeah. Who knows? You just, they, they, they just got to show Taylor Hall the schools. Yeah, <laughs> we got schools. Jo- Look, we got yeah, Belmont. Like, let Brock and and Jordan just we'll tell mm. them, you know, show them the schools, and Andrew yeah. Laddie, even if he, you know, just yeah. bring him bring him over the sound and be like, "Look, look at all these great yeah. schools that they got." Actually, it's funny. Trotz uh, mentioned that today. He's like, you know, I, forget, I don't even know how they got on this topic, but he was like, you know, the fact that everybody lives close to each other is actually a really cool thing because a lot of, with a lot of teams, 
guys are scattered all over the place. Some guys live in the city, some guys live in the suburbs, some guys have family, some guys don't, you know. Meanwhile, with the Islanders, everybody lives really close to each other. So that's why they're all very, very tight mm-hmm. like that. So it's pretty cool. Even, even Trot. So I remember, that's why you I see remember, Anders Lee grabbing coffee with him. I think, yeah, I think it was Clutterbuck brought that up when uh, they had were moving to Brooklyn. And because they were like, you know, are you guys moving or whatever? And we're like, and he was basically saying, you know, basically, basically everybody lives in like this neighborhood or two neighborhoods. And mm. it's a, it's an area where you, it's not like, you know, taking, when you think of the Rangers, like all the younger players live and, and European players live in the right. city. And then the guys with families and stuff live up in like Westchester. So they're just not, to, they don't really hang out as much together. And for the Islanders, like, it's like growing up with your friends on Long Island, you'd be like, Hey, you want to come over? You just like drive drive down mm. peninsula boulevard or whatever to your friend wherever he lives it's, you know it's not a uh it's 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 really unique and people actually don't think about it uh that often because when mm. uh you, and you see people all the time like oh yeah i saw you know anders lee or i saw you know nick letty out and that stuff just doesn't really happen in uh in other communities and right. uh so you know maybe if taylor hall's into that we can <laughs> yeah trots was saying the wives are friends the kids are friends you know everybody's kind of tight so it's cool to see so yeah there you go so if you see barry trots out with uh, an islander somewhere tell him we said hello <laughs> uh so there you go uh okay uh real quick uh wow we, we covered a lot of ground in this one that's pretty cool i like when that happens um so real quick uh our sponsor as always is vintageicehockey.com t-shirts hoodies mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, New York Rovers, New England Whalers, uh, Fort Worth Texans. Did I mention that? I think I did back then. Fort Worth Texans was an Islanders uh, affiliate of the uh, Central Hockey League back in the 70s. I mean, come on. The guy's got – Kevin has Fort Worth Texans stuff there. I mean, you got to get it. It's awesome. And if you use uh, – he also has the Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor shirt. So if you want one of those, you can get that uh, directly from VintageIceHockey.com. The, if you use the code Lighthouse15 – you get 15% off your order and all sales of the Lighthouse Hockey t-shirts or any sales using the discount code will have all of our portion go to the, Demen- the Center for Dementia Research. So you can buy a shirt, you can get a discount, you can make a donation. doesn't get any better than that. VintageIceHockey.com. Um, still looking for calls for my favorite Islanders game. We got a bunch, so I appreciate everybody who called. Uh, the number is 646 980 8857. That episode is probably going to go up uh, around the 17th of December. So if you have a Christmas favorite Islanders game, whether you went on Christmas or it was a Christmas present for you, or, you know, maybe you were in that like big Santa game, that Santa brawl. Were you there? Like you want to tell us about it? We want to hear about it because it's going to go probably a week or so before Christmas. So again, the number is 646-980-8857. 8857. You can call anytime and we'll use it on the show. Uh, there's going to be an Isles buzz hopefully this week. Uh, there should be a PT Isles uh, later on this week as well. You should read Lighthouse Hockey every day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Oh, and a um, Islanders award winners is going to not come out. Uh, it was going to come out on Monday, but uh, we're recording now. So that's going to come out on Tuesday, the third. Michael Pekka, Sulky Trophy 2002. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, I am, I'm very excited. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool episode. It goes into all the Leafs playoff series. That was a very tumultuous year for the Islanders. I had completely forgotten about yeah. it. It was like a season of just, it was a roller coaster. It was great. Then it was terrible. Then it was great. Then it was terrible. Then it ended great just before the playoffs. And then the playoff series was obviously terrible. So, so it was just a lot. Of, I think um, who their, their, uh, their trade deadline acquisition that year, I believe was Darren, Darren Van Imp. Uh, yeah, and there was another guy too. It was Van Imp, and Kit uh, Miller. No, Kit Miller was there before before that, but yeah. it was somebody else that was like that. Oh man, it's gonna drive me crazy now. But they're they're mentioned, I think, in the podcast. But yeah, that does with the big thing. And Milbury again was like teasing us for months that they're gonna get this guy. They were gonna get uh, I don't know who was available. Oh man, there was a oh Tony Amonti was the guy. Oh, they're yeah, gonna get Tony right, Amonti. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, Tony Monty didn't come here. So, <laughs> so spoiler alert, the Islanders didn't get Tony Monty. But anyway, but yeah, check it out. So that's that's going to be Tuesday morning. So if you're subscribed Tuesday morning, you'll have the next uh, Islanders Award winners. Check it out. Should be cool. Uh, all right. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. He's going to be going to Montreal. Hopefully he'll be live blogging on Twitter the whole time and we can follow along and, and live 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 the adventure through you through your twitter account i'll do my best 
should be a lot of fun. It should be cool. No, I think it should be cool. I think people will be will be receptive to you. Yeah. I have a feeling it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just don't mention the words Kirk Muller. To yeah, exactly. Really. And 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 uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm, I like to think of myself as pretty respectful when I'm on enemy territory. And uh, we I, there was like a big brawl during the Islander game between Islander fans <laughs> in Barclays Center the other night. That I was like, this looks very 1990. Like really? yeah, yeah. I just wow. I just I just like popped in my newsfeed. Uh, I guess today, Jeez. yeah. Like it was just like, at the, and it's just funny. It's just a really good metaphor for the Barclays Center because it, this fight mm. is just breaking out. It's it's you know a good thirty forty five seconds of of violence, and uh, just nobody's mm. nobody's coming to break it up. <laughs> when was that? Was that Saturday? <laughs> it was the, yeah the Blue Jackets game. Wow, Jeez. Yeah. is that the second? Because I know there was a thing the first year at Barclays. There was like a big thing, like mm. a big row. But I don't remember any. I mean, obviously, I'm not there every game. But like, I feel like that's like only the second time that's ever happened. So yeah, I, I that, that was the first time I'd heard of one. You know, at, mm. at any Islander game in a long time. And uh, yeah, I like to blame the uh, very narrow aisle because you know, <laughs> you know sometimes you, you bump into yeah. someone they they are uh, irrational about mm. getting bumped into. But uh, this one, this one was it was mm. uncomfortable to watch. I'm sure there was a Rangers or Flyers or Penguins fan at the center yeah, of the whole thing. I'm sure it was something like that. Yeah. Usually is. Uh, and, and I mean, they, they used to be much more common yeah, at the exactly. Coliseum. <laughs> the biggest one way. I ever saw was, was uh, the so, Sabres, that Sabres series. Uh, as, the, uh, as the beer bottles were flying onto the ice. Not to get into a whole thing now, but I, I just, just – wow. I was 16, I guess, and at the top, that top, top mm. row of the Coliseum where you can touch the ceiling and – your chair was basically just like the wall plus plus the bottom part of the seat that was like basically mm. hammered into the wall. Uh, there was like no seat back, and so there, it was very tight up there. And there were a bunch of Sabres fans in, to our right, and Islander fans to our left. And uh, it was just like we were like just ducking our way out of there. It was a, it, it, it was it was like a good twenty <laughs> person brawl. Uh, it was I, I was in Jeez. like center ish wow. between the center, uh, the red line, and the blue line to the the penalty box side if anybody else was there but that I've, I've never seen anything like that at a sporting event especially so close speaking of brawls if you have not read arthur staples oral history of the penguins islanders brawl in 2011 you definitely need to and you definitely need to take advantage of like the free uh athletic subscription if you need to and read oh. it because okay. it will put a smile on your face i promise you he talks to max talbot who again is a huge piece of garbage and I really hate him. And the things he says in there will reinforce the fact that I hate that guy, but it is a damn entertaining article. And it is just the kind of thing that that's, that's why the athletic exists. All the jokes we make about it, that, that article yeah. is just awesome. And it, you, you know, you, you'll devour it in no time at all when you're like reading breakfast or something like that. Cause it's just so great. He also had a podcast with Evgeny Nabokov, which is worth listening to. And I know I got to listen to that. It's it's short. It's cool, but he talks about Stan and um, you know all the 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 experience of getting there. And it's funny he starts out talking about his the whole contract thing, and I had completely forgotten about it to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you know he just uh, he gives his side of it, and it's yeah you know, it's kind of water under the bridge at this point. But yeah. it was really cool. Like he's he's a great guy. I mean you know you could talk to listen to him talk all day. Him him and Luba were uh, they were like the poster childs of uh, yeah. being like look like I totally understand that you do not want to come here because of what you've heard about this place because of like what's written about the islanders as an organization or whatever and like you're also not from the country so like that stuff probably is a little bit like the nuance and context is probably a little bit harder to understand like you completely understand why of getting to Bakov, especially because he was put on waivers with the sole intention of signing with the red wings right or right and and the islanders well put a claim in on him yeah and, I, I i won't yeah. spoil it for art but uh yeah the, the whole thing was he you know he wanted to he, he wanted to make sure he was ready to right. play and with detroit like again he he had a contract there and he was ready to play there because he knew that he could play there um and you know when he got picked up for the islanders uh he was a little bit hesitant <laughs> to, to say the least about uh whether or not he was ready so yeah um and uh yeah now lubo i think definitely also needs to get on yeah, that would be great. But yeah, that that <laughs> yeah. I have to second that endorsement for that article because uh, yeah, just the 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 part about uh, Joe Vitale and mm. just Trevor Gillies and I uh, I'll never forget where I was. I was like that was one of the games that I I wasn't there. I was in college and I was at a bar watching it. We used to go into this bar mm. that my buddy bar backed at, and there was always like a beer delivery on Thursday nights, and they would just leave all these <laughs> cases of beer at the. Uh, like the outside fridge 
like we're talking mm-hmm. like columns and columns of beer, like basically for their entire weekend. So there's just, you know, 500, 600 beers that nobody's watching. So <laughs> we used to go and we used to drink and watch the games and tip the bartender really well. And then we kind of like sneak out and we just go grab these cases of beer and walk them across this golf course that this bar was on and back to our dorms or uh, I guess or to our house or whatever. So we just, you know, it was like a hundred beer heists. Mm-hmm. And that night I was like, I can't, I can't steal the beer because I got to watch this game. It's just insane. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. All the stories are great. He talks to a bunch of penguins, a bunch of Islanders. And uh, as I said on Twitter, I was watching that game while my wife and I were watching something on Bravo. I forget what it was. And so I had, I had the game on picture in picture because our old TV had that. And, you know, that was our kind of rule. And we watched something that had, you know, it was a, a show with dialogue you had to follow. I mean, well, I could watch the game on the, the picture in picture. It's all I need to see. And all I know is that every five minutes there was a huge fight. <laughs> I just thought the thing was absolutely uproariously funny. And then you read about, you know, the carnage afterwards and how everybody wanted Trevor Gillies arrested or whatever. And it was like, mm, this, maybe it wasn't as funny yep. as I remember it being. But uh, but the article is great. And um, the, the the comments underneath less so. So don't read those, but read the article. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week. We might be back on Sunday, uh, but uh, the Islanders have a game on Monday against the Lightning. Again, kind of a weird schedule, uh, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but we'll definitely be back next week. And uh, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Follow me, Culture of Losing. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.